Before we were born again, we did many forms of sins. After we're born again, we are new creatures. We recognize what we had been doing were sins. The way I was born again in 1975, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Joan, you know those mistakes you've been making all these years? Those weren't mistakes. Those were sins. And I said, oh, sins? I thought they were mistakes. But at that point, I recognized they were sins. That's a moment of enlightenment to see our sins. When we agree with God, we're born again. My mother had always dealt in horoscopes all my life. We would go to the monthly, pick up the monthly horoscope book, and she would read my horoscope to me. After I was born again, I read Deuteronomy 18 to her, which shows that God forbids us to do such things as witchcraft, horoscopes, divination, the things that the people of the world do. When I read that passage of scripture to her, after I finished it, she got very quiet. And then she said, well, I guess we better not do that anymore. She was born again with Deuteronomy 18 because she agreed with the scripture. Prior to be bo being born again, we do many sins. The blood of Jesus Christ was sacrificed to pay for those sins. Now, what happens if we return to the sins? If you were a fornicator, what happens if you go out to the bars and find women and they seduce you and you end up having sex with them? What happens? Well, one thing you need to know is 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Having sex with people causes you to be one flesh with that person, even if you have sex with an harlot, a prostitute. Even if you have sex with a prostitute, that causes you to be one flesh with that person. Paul talks to us about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's look at that. Begin at verse 15. Paul says, Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. Even if you are having sex with a prostitute, you become one flesh with that prostitute. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man does is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Fornication is a sin different from other sins. All other sins are without the body. But he that 
committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. The Bible teacher at the church that I used to go to was committing fornication. He lived two lives. He lived a life in front of us at the church. And then he went to the bars at night and frankly tried to attract women to himself. He even once told me, he said, oh, I was at this place and this woman came up to me and chose me above all the other men. This is extremely evil. It is so evil that the Apostle Paul tells us to put such a person out of the church. Don't even keep company with him. And Paul calls it wickedness. He said he's a wicked man when he does that. It grieved me greatly because I really cared about this man. He seemed so nice at church. Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul tells us what to do with such a man. Paul tells us not to judge the world. He says, if you're going to judge the fornicators of the world, you'd have to go out of the world. But he says, but now I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator. That's 1 Corinthians 5.11. If you find out someone in your church is a fornicator, Paul says don't keep company with them. Put them away from you. You may not be able or have the power to put them out of the church, but you certainly have the power to tell them you will have no more to do with them. Certainly, I could not continue to go to this man's Bible class. I couldn't afford, I couldn't continue to do anything with him. 1 Corinthians 5.11 But now I have written unto you not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such a one, know not to eat. Paul says, For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? In other words, he's saying, Now, if they're without the church and they don't claim to be Christians, this is not anything you fool with. God will take care of that. He will judge those without. But them that are within, God says, We are to judge them. We are to judge them if they are committing these sins. Therefore, put away from among yourselves that wicked person. And that's exactly what I did in the case of this man. I just told him I could not have anything to do with him anymore. I never went to his Bible classes anymore. I never 
tried to associate him with him in any way, and eventually God brought me out of that church. Out of that church group. When Jimmy Swigert was committing sins of prostitution, the Assembly of God Church tried to counsel him and pray for him. They ignored this instruction Paul gave. They counseled him and prayed for him. In three years, he was caught with another prostitute. The first time he was caught with a prostitute, he appeared on his television show with tears streaming down his face and said, I've sinned against you. The next time he was caught with a prostitute, it was reported that he said, the Lord has told me it's flat out none of your business what I do. That's a report from Wikipedia on Internet on Jimmy Swaggart. If we are in the church, if we are called a Christian, it's everybody's responsibility for us. It's everybody has a right to know what we are doing if we are called a Christian. For we are the body of Christ. We don't have a public life and a private life. We have one life, and that is by the Spirit of God. It's a very serious matter for a Christian to return to his sins for which he has been forgiven. I know of a man who was a Catholic and he would commit fornication and he went right back to the person and committed fornication and then he would go to the Catholic priest and ask, uh, I don't know what they do, they ask the priest to forgive them their sins or something and then he would go back and do the sin again and then he would return to the priest and then he would go back and do the sin again. This is... This is just something that won't work. We'll take a passage of scripture and prove that doctrine that it won't work. And this is a terribly serious thing. To warn you, don't think that you're going to be able to do this. You're not. But I never wanted to. Do you want to go back and live that kind of life you lived before you were born again? It doesn't make any sense to me that any of us would want to do this. But God put a warning in the Bible for us. Please turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Hebrews 10, 23. For he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the matter of manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. To exhort means to warn another person, to present advice of warnings that they not go that way. And here's something very important. 
Hebrews 10.26 For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. There's no more sacrifice after we have already had our sins paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. For to think that there's another blood sacrifice for us would require for Jesus to die again. So this Hebrews says, For we sin, if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much surer punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy? who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despot unto the Spirit of grace. For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord, and again the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Another scripture on this same subject is Hebrews chapter 6. Start at verse 4. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. It's impossible if they fall away. If you were once a homosexual and you are forgiven your sins and you recognize it being a sin and you return to being a homosexual, it's impossible, it says, if you fall away and go back to that sin to renew you again to repentance. It's impossible. When the woman was taken in adultery in John chapter 8, Jesus said to her, Go and sin no more. You can't continue to be a prostitute. You can't continue to be a homosexual. You can't continue to be a drunkard, a fornicator. You can't continue to extort money from people. You can't continue to be an idolater. All of these things that you did before you were born again, once you are enlightened to the truth of the matter, if you return to that sin, there's no way to bring you back. This sounds impossible, doesn't it? It's certainly not what they're teaching in churches. 
But this is what the Bible says. I'm warning us. If you're tempted to go back to your previous sin, you better consider very carefully, if I do this thing, it's like a dog returning to its vomit. It's like the sow that was washed returning to the mire. If I do this thing, if I return to this previous sin for which I have been forgiven, I crucify Jesus afresh, and I make a shame of him, and you're still tempted to do it, pray, turn to God, say, please don't let me do this. Please stop me. I've always prayed, when I've been tempted on something, God's always stopped me, regardless of what the sin was. If I was tempted on something, if I was tempted to tell somebody off, that would be railing. Railing is one of the things listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, where we put the brother away if he commits fornication, idolatry, drunkenness, railing. If I am tempted to do that, I can turn to God and I can say to God, please don't let me do this. Many times I've turned to God and prayed for him not to let me speak something. And he's always stopped me. Many times I've recognized that if I speak something to this person, it could hurt this person without cause. And I don't want to trouble a person without cause. And so I have prayed, please don't let me tell that person this. And God's always stopped me. If you're in one of the temptations, uh, sexual temptations, pray. God makes a way of escape. There's a scripture in Hebrews, I mean in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. That all temptations that we have, they're common to all persons. But God is faithful, who will not allow us to be tempted above that we are able but will, with the temptation, make a way to escape that we may be able to bear it. God will make a way to escape from that temptation. Concerning the Bible teacher that um, ended up committing fornication, he liked to go to the bars. I found out about that, and I told him, just before you are planning to go to the bar, sit down and write a teaching and send it to me. He did that for about five days. And then he quit. He told me, he said, I got to the point that I lost my taste for alcohol and I didn't want to go to the bar. But then he said he quit writing to me and it all came back and he wanted to go to the bar. God made a way for him to escape, but he did not stay with that way. He let the flesh overcome the spirit. And that there's no way of escape now for him, except one thing. There's one hope for you, and that is in 1 Corinthians 5. We'll look at that. 
There was fornication going on in the church, and Paul found out about it. And here's what he said to do. Deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus, for the destruction of his flesh. In other words, put him away from you and allow his flesh to be destroyed. I believe that's what happened to this Bible teacher because I would have nothing more to do with him. I talked to him several years after this, and he said fornication was no longer a problem for him because of what had happened to his flesh. I think by putting the person away from us when he's called a Christian and he's doing these evil things, we turn him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Well, we certainly would rather see the flesh destroyed and the spirit saved. And Paul says that's what will happen. So I think that's the way of escape is when we find a brother in the church who's a fornicator or a drunkard or an extortioner or a railer or an idolater, we put that person away from us and we have no more to do with that person. That his flesh may be destroyed, but the spirit saved in the day of the Lord. I sincerely hope and hope that happens to this Bible teacher. There's another passage of scripture for us to look at on this subject. It is in Second Peter. Second Peter chapter two, start at verse twenty. For if they have escaped the pollutions of the world, through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it is happened unto them according to the true proverb, The dog is returned unto his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Jesus spoke of this same problem in Matthew chapter 24 when his disciples asked him about the end times. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 24. Jesus said, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold, but he that shall endure unto the end the same shall be saved. Because iniquity shall abound. What are we seeing in front of us today? If you turn on your TV and a commercial comes on, 
some of these things are just terrible that we see in front of us. These women who are so ungodly. And there's one commercial where this woman is, she hardly has any clothes on at all, and she's singing and jumping up and down, and in the background is the commode. That's the kind of thing, the grossness that people seem to want to see. For if they didn't want to see it, they wouldn't be shown it. The society today is growing worse and worse, just as the Bible said it would do before the return of Jesus. The wickedness will abound. And the wrath of God comes at the end to judge the wickedness in the churches and in the world. I have been propositioned far more for sex in the churches than I ever was in the world. The wickedness in the churches abounds. They have departed from scriptures such as if a man marries a divorced woman, he commits adultery. Have you ever heard that taught at church? If a man marries a divorced woman, he commits adultery? I'm quoting from Matthew 24. And Matthew 5, I'm sorry, Matthew 5, verse 36. If a man marries that person who's divorced, he commits adultery. That used to be taught in churches. The Catholics used to teach that. The Protestants used to teach that. Now, why don't they teach it now? Well, it would be unpopular. There was a time that I attended a museum dinner at Texas Tech. And they placed me next to a man who was wearing the largest cross I've ever seen. He quickly identified himself as the former Baptist, uh, the former pastor at the Indiana Street Baptist Church. And he began to tell us, there were several at the table when he spoke this, he began to tell us, oh, we have such a problem at the church. We have so many people coming to church today that we can't seat them. We've added on to the church, and we still can't see them. We added on to the church again, and we still can't get everyone inside the assembly room. I spoke up and said, If you would begin teaching what Jesus said, the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery, about one half of those people in your church would get up and leave you, and you will have no trouble seeing the people. His mouth fell open. I fled. I didn't stay for the meal. I was not going to put myself in a situation where I had to talk to this former pastor. When you see a very large congregation, what do you see? You see a group of people. They're not going to be hearing this, do this doctrine They've eliminated large portions of doctrine which would offend the people in order to get them to come to church 
in order to get their money, in order to feel important. That's exactly what's going on. Sin in the churches. Divorce, the classes in the churches for single people. What's the purpose of these classes? Well, it, they set it up so that the single people can meet other single people and marry. And women go there so they can marry Christian men. Divorced women go there so they can marry other men. When it says the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Let's read Matthew chapter 5, verse 32. See, these single classes are actually set up as places where, so to speak, Christians can find other Christians to marry, which sounds like a good idea, except if they have been divorced, the women who remarry commit adultery if they remarry according to Jesus, and according to Paul. We'll look at two scriptures on that. Matthew 5, verse 32, Jesus says, and he's talking to the Jewish men, But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery, and whosoever shall marry her that is divorced committeth adultery. So you've married a divorced woman as a Christian man. And you say, oh, I didn't know that. What do I do now? You agree with the scriptures that you committed adultery when you married her. I'm not telling you to leave her. But you could warn other men who are getting ready to do this. We had a woman in our church group had done, who had done this, and I didn't tell her to leave her second husband. What I told her to do is warn other women that it will be adultery if you remarry as a divorced woman. Agree with the scriptures and warn the person who is about to do the same thing you've done. But these are the truths. In this case of Matthew 5.32, Jesus is saying, if you are divorcing a faithful wife, she will go out and remarry. She will commit adultery, but you're going to be the cause of her adultery. And whosoever marries her will commit a adultery. I've heard them preach. It's okay for women to go out and remarry if their husband was committing fornication. It's okay for them to divorce and remarry. Well, Jesus says, if you do that, you commit adultery. And Paul cements it. The doctrine for the New Testament church from God on this subject is clearly stated for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 
verses 10 and 11. Paul says, And unto the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord. Let not the wife depart from her husband, but, and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband and let not the husband put away his wife. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verses 10 and 11. So the wickedness gets worse and worse and worse. And Jesus says, because of this iniquity in the last days, many, the love of many will grow cold. The love of many for the word of God will love, grow cold. I know a woman that this happened to. She used to be on fire for Bible. And it was a great pleasure to talk to her. I was around her for 39 years through our church group. But in the last years, she would just go dead cold when, you, when I would talk to her about Scripture or things of God. She got, got very silent. She didn't want to hear it. But if I talked to her about the most recent television show, she came alive and began talking. Her love of God, her love for the Word of God grew cold. Iniquity somehow abounded in her life. And because it abounded, the love of God, the love of the Word of God grew cold. And Jesus says, but they who endure to the end will be saved. It's a battle. We have to fight all the time to hold on to the fire for the word of God. We have to turn to God in prayer when we're tempted and beg him to help us. And we have to take the way of escape in the temptation that he has shown us. That will free us for the temptation. Now what if you take pleasure in unrighteousness. That you know the word of God. But you just kind of find it spicy on those TV shows. And you take pleasure in the adultery. I, I hate the adultery I see in the TV shows. I hate the sex before marriage that I see. Well, I don't see it. I turn from it. I don't want to see it. But what if you're enticed by it, that you just kind of enjoy it, the spiciness? Well, let me tell you what the end's going to be for you. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. We'll begin at verse 10. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned 
who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. At one point in time, there was a woman in the faith movement who was a good friend of mine. I told her, I said, Lily, I want you to read a passage of scripture to me. And I had her take this passage of scripture and read it aloud to me on the phone. She began reading, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth, they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie. She was just horrified. She said, God would send them the strong delusion that they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. She was just stunned because this is so different from what they teach in the faith movement. God would send them a strong delusion. If you continue to take pleasure in unrighteousness, even when you have at one time been born again, even when you are a Christian, if you take pleasure in unrighteousness, the time will come that God turns you over to a reprobate mind. A reprobate mind. Romans chapter 1. You can see the fate to those who are turned over to a reprobate mind. Look at Romans chapter 1. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge... God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. They knew the truth. This Bible teacher knew the truth about fornication. But he didn't want to keep that in front of him. He didn't keep those scriptures about fornication in front of him. He didn't care to remember that that's evil. But he did know the truth. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Romans one twenty eight, Romans one twenty nine, God is going to turn them over to a strong delusion, a reprobate mind, and then they're going to be filled with all forms of unrighteousness. It says, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, Wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents without understanding, covenant breakers without natural affection, implacable, in other words, they can't be changed, unmerciful who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. I have no pleasure when I'm watching a television program and fornication comes on, adultery comes on. I have no pleasure. I close my eyes. I turn it off as quickly as I can. I don't want to see it. 
I'm not enticed by R-rated movies. They come on in the middle of even a family show nowadays. They come on sometimes in the middle of a sporting event. I don't want to see that. But I don't control the television, what's produced, but I can shut my eyes, I can stop my ears, I can turn the program off because I don't want to see it. Now, if you want to see it and you find it spicy and fun, you're in great danger if you are a Christian. But, of course, you're probably not continuing to listen to this podcast if you are doing those things. But for those of us who are listening to this, it's a warning. It's telling you that in the end days, the evil becomes so bad that Jesus said even the elect would not be saved unless the days were shortened. Therefore, we have to take great diligence to keep ourselves and to protect ourselves by the word of God. And he tells us exhort one another and even more as we see the end approaching. Because the wickedness is so bad, people will fall away from the truth of the gospel. I realize some of you may be driving along the road as you listen to this, and you you can't write these scriptures down. But if you will go to our blog, every one of the scriptures that I have spoken today are written on our blog. Our blog is Jesus Ministries Exhortations. On the right-hand side of the home page, you will see podcast, recording, and scripture. You can even hear this again and follow along with the scriptures that I've cited to you as you hear me speak. The name of this episode, it's episode 9 on our blog, but if if you're trying to listen to it on your internet program, it's the title of this is When There Is No More Sacrifice for Sins. I strongly recommend that you listen to the podcast that is entitled Sexual Sins in Today's Churches. Because you need to be very aware as a parent of what you are sending your children into at your churches, thinking that they are safe in the singles classes, thinking they're safe in the churches. So be sure and listen to that podcast, Sexual Sins in Today's Churches. But this is Joan Boney speaking, and I urge you again to go to our blog, Jesus Ministries Exhortations, click on podcast, which is on the right-hand side of the page, homepage. It will bring up all the podcasts which I've recorded. Every one of these podcasts have every scripture that I have spoken for that podcast printed out for you. So you can copy these scriptures for yourself and Look upon them and think upon them day and night and move in the way of God. For this is the way of God for us, the church. Thank you for allowing me to speak to you.